this week's Adam Schefter podcast. It has been a long, sobering off season, and we are getting ready to head into July, into the July 4th holiday, and we thought we needed a moment of levity. The man to provide just that is the host of the Caliendo Cast podcast, Frank Caliendo, the very funny comedian who's here to provide a moment of lightness for us today, and we'll be joined by the Giants linebacker, Lorenzo Carter, trying to build off his season of sacks last year as he becomes a fixture on the Giants' defensive side of the football. But the big news Sunday night, of course, was Cam Newton reaching agreement with the New England Patriots on a one-year incentive-laden contract. And the truth of the matter is, is that Cam Newton did not have any other offers from any other teams. There was nobody that was calling him and lighting up his phone, trying to recruit him to a certain city. There was one other team that did have one conversation with him. It was very brief. It didn't go very far. But the Cleveland Browns did speak to Cam Newton at one point in time. But those talks never really went anywhere. They did with New England. And Cam winds up on a one-year contract with the Patriots, which makes all the sense in the world. There have been people that have been connecting those two sides. In fact, we can go back, and I will read straight from my text, last Tuesday morning, on Tuesday, June 23rd, 11.01 a.m., after we got done filming Get Up that morning, my colleague and friend Tim Hasselback sent me a text, and I read, I keep banging the pats as a cam possibility, not saying it's going to happen, but I would like that fit. If you know with certainty that they aren't interested at all, will you let me know? That was the text that Tim Hasselbeck sent to me on Tuesday, June 23rd, 11.01 a.m. I texted him back. Keep banging the drum, Tim. Keep banging the drum. Because the two sides had been talking. And as we mentioned, there really wasn't another viable landing spot for Cam at this point in time without him taking a physical. And so the Patriots get three quarterbacks for less than the price then some teams are paying their backup quarterbacks. Brian Hoyer is making about a million dollars this year. We're still waiting for the full financial details on Cam's deal, but I would bet you that the base salary isn't much more than $2 million, if it's that, for the coming season, before he gets to the incentives, which could boost him up. And and Jared Stidham is on a rookie deal that pays him less than $700,000 in base salary. So if we give... Brian Hoyer a million dollars and Cam Newton two million dollars and Jared Stidham roughly seven hundred thousand. That's three point seven million dollars in base salary for three quarterbacks, one of whom is the former 2015 most valuable player of the National Football League, one of whom who has started in the NFL in Brian Hoyer, and one of whom the Patriots felt strong enough to start for this coming season. And so the Patriots suddenly have quarterback depth at that spot. And the match that many people saw coming actually came together on Sunday night with a one-year agreement that many people called that no other teams really challenged other than the Cleveland Browns making that exploratory telephone call. And now Cam Newton goes to New England where we look forward to the wardrobe that he's going to unveil there. And it would be great if Bill Belichick and Cam Newton could just exchange wardrobes one Sunday for the fun of things. That would provide another moment of levity in this upcoming football season. All right, Tuesday, June 30th, 
At 7.30 Eastern Time, ESPN presents the film Blackfeet Boxing about fighting for respect, identity, and acknowledgement. There are no scorecards or knockouts on the reservation. The prize at Blackfeet Boxing Club is far more vital. Survival. According to the United States Justice Department, Native American women are 10 times more likely to be murdered than non-Native women. More than one in three has suffered a rape or attempted rape, and more than 80% will experience violence at some point in their lives. On the Blackfeet Reservation in Montana, these are not statistics. They are stories of lives and families of loss and pain. Again, tune in Tuesday, June 30th on ESPN at 7.30 Eastern Time for Blackfeet Boxing. And now, the host of the Caliendo cast, a friend of mine, somebody who's tremendous, we really believe you're going to enjoy what he has to say today. The man, Frank Caliendo, or so we think. Hello. Is this Adam Schefter? This is Adam Schefter. <laughs> well, this is Frank Caliendo. How are you? <laughs> that's a great me. <laughs> I, I, that's a great me. I, that's, I, I try my best. Here's the funny thing. Uh, and are we going already? Are we rolling? Oh, we're going. <laughs> Oh, we're going. We're going. Of course we are, Frank. This is the best part of the show, the part where Frank doesn't know if he's on or not, and he gets completely candid and tells us everything that's possible and prominent in his life. Um, so people get mad at me because there, there, are, there are pluses and minuses in every impression, right? There's some things where you hit and some things that go away and some things you make more of a cartoon and some things you try to get right on the way. When I do an impression of you, a lot of times I turn it into this helium, Adam Schefter. That isn't even you anymore. They're even close. I mean, uh, it's because according to my sources, it's this particular time. It's just, it's such a ridiculous thing. If you're like, you saw nothing like him. I'm like, well, at that point, I've done it already. And whether you thought it was good or not at the beginning, I've done it. And now I'm just trying to make it a cartoon. Like, what would Adam Schefter be reporting as a mouse in, uh, you know, some type of Disney film? <laughs> well, I will say this. You know, we've talked about your impression of me before, and I will say, I like it now more than I did before. Not that I didn't like it before. It's just that your impressions of Stephen A. Smith and John Madden and Pat Summerall and Tony Rowe, everything is so good and so spot on that mine just wasn't up to their standards. That, that's all. I, 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 you know what? I, I 100% agree with you. I think that's – and they all get better over time. Because you start to, to practice them more and you find one of the biggest flaws in my Adam Schefter impression is the letter S. Because when I try to form that, you know, it's almost formed in your throat and how you try and uh, put these impressions together. When I do that, the way I form my mouth, S is you don't have you don't have a weird pronounced S or a different pronounced S. Yours is a pretty normal S. But I, it always, and people, when they do the impression of me doing the impression, they go, according to my sources, you don't say sources. No. It's just hard for me to get to form that S while I've got everything else, the, the machine all created together. So according to my sources, that's where it comes from. It's the phrasing. And I, I learned over time where your phrasing comes from, because you have to be incredibly careful with how you put things together. Because if, if some, somebody will call you, Adam Schefter, on uh, a piece of information, you'll have to say, no, that is not what I was saying. What <laughs> so the way you create information 
is fashioned in a way to go around it so people can't say, well, he meant this. No, what I meant was exactly what I said as I went step by step, like an instruction manual or possibly even a set of, uh, what am I trying to think of here? I'm trying to come up with the word. It didn't come to me. I will get it. A recipe. If we're building a recipe for, a, let's say, some pancakes, if we're getting a recipe for pancakes, we're going to add one and one quarter cups of milk. We're not going to add one and one half cups. That would change it. It would. And now I'm going into super high out of um, On helium, sucking so, helium. <laughs> which I think, which I think would be someday if we can get some of the life back uh, on track in so many different ways. Um, would be a, a really great thing for you to do, uh, almost like Morgan Freeman uh, doing the helium on uh, Jimmy Fallon years ago. So I mean, I'd, I'd love to see that just you breaking out the helium balloon in the middle, uh, in the middle of a serious report. According to my sources, this is going to be a big one. And Frank, th this is why I reached out to you because since the beginning of March, we've had nothing but sadness and suffering and misery and more and more of the same. And we have the July 4th holiday coming up. And I take a couple of weeks off for the podcast. And I said, you know what? We've done so much on the pandemic, so much on the fight with racism, against racism. And I said, I just need a breath of fresh air. That's all. Let's go to Frank. Yeah. Let's have Frank <laughs> provide that breath of fresh air. And so what, what was it like for you to try to be funny at a time in our country that just wasn't very funny. Uh, you know, it, I, it's it, it's tough because you're trying not to ice. Listen, the COVID stuff uh, for me because I, I'm going through it all exactly the same as everybody else. So that's that's a little bit different uh, to me and easier because especially at the beginning of the COVID nineteen stuff, um, the. Uh, you know, just being stuck at home. And that was funny, you know, kind of funny at the beginning. And then two months in, you're like, oh, geez. But then I find that so many people, I'm actually starting to do your cadence. I'm not even trying to. Um, <laughs> I started to find that so many people were saying, hey, you're helping me get through this. Uh, and that actually drove me for quite a bit because I was doing at least one or two things every day for two months uh, on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, so it, those messages from people, really um uh uplifting they, they really drove me they really got me going to, to to do more and more um in in terms of the fight against racism there's only so much that i understand i'm trying to listen more and understand a lot more and i um so that's that's a little bit different and i just don't think there's for me there's nothing funny to do there i mean obviously yeah. i've had people try and do certain things they try to lead you in a Anyway, I'm like, I don't, I'm not even going near. No, it's not your lane. Like, 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 not your lane, right? Yeah, 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 totally. You, you, you stay out of that one. Well, you, let me say this. I want to thank you because watching your Twitter and Instagram videos during the pandemic, they did bring levity to people's days, and they were very funny. And all the Pat Summerall and or, or all the um, uh, Jim Nance and Tony Romos, all the narrations of yeah, play, play, play. Well, it's funny, you want to talk about uh, an impression I can't really do other than say, it's just with, with Jim Nance going, Tony, 
<laughs> so people wait for that now. It's funny because I, I, I the Nance I can kind of get at times. It takes me a little bit to, to these impressions. A lot of times, it's like building muscle memory. So uh, at the beginning, you can't find it right away, and now for a while you train it, and then you can just go into it at any time. Somebody asked me to do it, Stephen A. Smith. I can just immediately go. I'm incredulous to this entire situation. I can get right to it. Yeah, uh, I might not have the ability to access vocabulary the way uh, Stephen A. does, but I can get to that voice. Uh, you know, if I wanted to do Berman, eh, say what you will. Eh. You know, it could just happen and get right there, as opposed to somebody that's that's uh, newer and and uh, I need to 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 figure out a way to to get to. But listen, one of the one of the most fun things was um, that coach's video, which. Uh, the, which was the oh, one that was unbelievable, that, Frank. That was unbelievable. And I, honestly, a lot of these things I, that took me less time. For people who don't know what that is, I just sat down. I started out, and I uh, I, I didn't really have a plan other than I was just going to record myself doing four, five, six different coaches. And I just started working on the Bruce Arians, and everybody would, uh, you know, have living in Arizona. Everybody's like, you got to get uh, Crown Royal behind you and all this stuff. So I did that, or not behind me, but they're like, you got to be sipping on Crown Royal. I put it behind me, and I'm not a drinker, so I know nothing about drinking at all. I, I, I have a hangover from taking Nyquil. That's how bad it is. Yeah. Um, so I, it's it was really, uh, you know, the, the Bruce Aarons. That's what I'm talking about, Daddy. And I just started doing it because like years a, a, a few years ago, I'd done it. What's the Amazon show um, that they do that's like Hard Knocks? Or All similar or nothing. Hard Knocks. All or nothing. I All think, or right? nothing. Yeah, I showed up there, did a little bit. You know, I did some of the other impressions, and then I did a little bit of Bruce Aarons. I didn't even really have it. I just put the uh, – it's not a Kangol hat. People think it's a Kangol hat. It's the Bruce Aarons Foundation hat. I put that on, the glasses, and I just – all I really did was swear. I didn't even have – I didn't even have a, an impression for it, but, but Bruce is just so known for having that filthy mouth. And uh, Larry Fitzgerald, the, his eyes lit up. He stood up, standing ovation immediately. My eyes went right to him. And then, you know, Larry does something. The rest of the team went crazy. But that impression was one of the anchors in that bit. I don't give a rat's f- who are playing. Doesn't matter when, where, place. Just bring them to us. We go to them, do whatever f- we got to do to just knock their f-ing blocks off. There was a Sean McVay that I did that I, was one of those that's really tough for me to get without working on it for a little while because he's kind of Gruden-ish, but he's got this uh, little bit of raspiness somewhere in here, and he almost sounds Chicago at times. You guys want me to memorize the schedule for all 32 teams? Done. But I sat down, didn't really have a plan, kind of like how I do in these interviews, and I'm scattered, but... Um, so I didn't really have a plan. I just sat down. I recorded a bunch of different things, and then I started piecing it together. And it was this is over the course of two or three hours. Sometimes those voiceovers I do, I'll be so meticulous with them. I will, uh, you know, I will spend just hours changing things here and there. And this I just went, you know, I'm going to put it together. I had it done at like nine o'clock at night West Coast time, and it was the day the schedules came out. And I'm like, uh, that there was a schedule. Um, you know, people were doing scheduled preview shows or shows or whatever, release shows. Yeah. And I thought, I'll put it out the next morning. I got up early the next morning. I'm like, now's the time to put it out. And you know how algorithms work on social media. If I had put it out the night before, I don't know if it would have blown up the same way I did. I put it out that morning when all the news 
was actually talking about. People like you were going through things, even though you probably had some stuff earlier. The, you were going through all the stuff that could be released to everybody uh, and everybody was talking about. And it just started going crazy. And I got calls from friends at ESPN. They're like, can we air this? I'm like, absolutely. It's a, you know, the friends over there that were like, Hey, you know, we're not, you're not really doing work for us right now and stuff like that. Can we do it? I'm like, yeah, a hundred percent go for it. And it just blew up. I was like, Holy cow. It's one of those moments where I retweeted it that morning. I remember that. And Oh yeah. I watched it blow up as well. It just went whoosh. People loved it. It was Tremendous what you did. Well, I mean, it, it's always amazing. Whenever you, uh, whenever you retweet something, and I know you're very particular about those things, uh, which I think you should be as, an, as anybody. Whenever you re- retweet something like that, I see how immediate the impact is of an, of an Adam Schefter retweet. An Adam Schefter like is pretty good, but an Adam Schefter retweet <laughs> is phenomenal. So it's, it, that, that means a lot to me when, when somebody like you does that, because, you, you know, even though you have humor in your timeline and you, <clears throat> you do, you have a lot of funny quips and stuff like that. Cause I don't <laughs> think people see a lot of that side of you. Um, uh, but you have that stuff. You don't retweet a lot of silly content. So for me, that's a big thing. That's a pretty cool thing when you do something like that. I, I want to go back the first time I realized how meticulous you are. Yeah. was I texted you and I'm like, I, I, this is maybe seven or eight years ago. I texted you and I said, where are you? And you said, I'm in the doctor's office. And you, see, so, you know, you, you were giving me the position. I said, you might even give me latitude and longitude of where you were, but I'm in the doctor's office. The Highlights magazine is sitting on the table right next to me. Uh, so it's like, wow, you were always, that's just you. That's how you think. And it was a, it keyed me into a lot of helping with the impression because it's not just finding a voice. I mean, Will Ferrell, I would not consider Will Ferrell an impressionist. I would consider Will Ferrell, if not the funniest, one of the funniest people in the world. When he did George W. Bush or when he's done impressions, hey, Harry Carey, that, hey, that, you know, that, you know, those weren't exactly dead on impressions for in terms of the voice, but now you hear people do a lot of impressions. They're doing him doing that impression. Same with Dana Carvey with George H.W. Bush, not going to do it. He didn't say that, but you you create, a, and, and Carvey's a little bit different because he is an impressionist, uh, you know, on top of everything else. But my point here is being funny can be more important, but you have to have the take. What's the take behind the person? And a lot of my take with you is that meticulousness and being careful about exactly what I'm going to say, which is 100% needed and in your business uh, and, and makes total sense. But then people don't always make that jump in their you know conscious mind. They don't get why that's working. And then they start to feel it. And that's that's actually sometimes what will turn people backwards. And, and, you know, some, some famous people will dislike you doing an impression of them because they're afraid it's going to hurt the money. Uh, you know, it's going to hurt your job, your livelihood. And what I've found for the most part, it's the complete opposite. Once I or somebody at Saturday Night Live or somebody hits one of these really great impressions that has a take, what happens is 
on Madison Avenue, the advertising executives start to figure out how to write that stuff for that character. And you end up doing uh, commercials or, or um, sponsorships that are almost based on the impression, which is, comes from you in the first place. But uh, you start to, Gruden texted me at three in the morning one time, which I think is lunchtime for him. But he was like, uh, and this is, this is while he was still at ESPN doing Monday Night Football. It's like, yeah. and I, I read his text in his voice. He's like, I just got done shooting a commercial where I did an impersonation of you. And I was too scared to ask him because I'm always intimidated by him no matter what. But uh, he, I think it was that one where he's talking to the tire, you know, and my guess is what they said uh, was, hey, amp it up a little bit. Be a little more caliendo for this. So, he's an intimidating guy. Let me say this. I, you know, the one thing I always remember about him, and I hope I can make it as funny as the moment, I probably can't. But we used to have draft meetings the day before the draft, the day of the draft, leading into the draft. And I think we were in Chicago one time. And we're in a room with all the producers. And we're sitting around a square table. And it's Chris Morrison and me and John Gruden and Mel Kuyper and Chris Berman and everybody who was a part of that broadcast that night and the producers say, we want to go around the room and see what you know about the draft tomorrow night. And so they go to Mel Kuyper, they go to Todd McShay, they go to Chris Mortensen, they go to me, we fill in people. And they turn to John Gruen. He goes, I got a phone too. And like, like I got information. <laughs> and it was, it was, like I said, I'm not making as funny as the moment, but it was very funny at the time. Like, he looks at me and he's like, well, you think you know something about Drew? I got a phone, too, okay? And he holds up his phone. <laughs> and, and that's just the way he is. He's, he's an intimidating guy. You bring up all these... He not, yeah, good. Sorry about that. It, well, he's not only intimidating, he is the alpha in the room. So yeah. I, I was at one Monday night football meeting, and uh, Mike Tirico was... Uh, he, he was He was a little bit late. But it wasn't like it was, uh, you know, everybody knows because Tariko's doing 7,000 different jobs for ESPN at the yeah. time. And he's, he's always working. So it wasn't like he just did, it wasn't like he was uh, being disrespectful to the timeline, uh, you know, or being like, they knew Mike, Mike had to do some other work. And Gruden's like, so what are you doing, Tariko? Huh? You finally made it here for a little thing called Monday Night Football. What are you doing? Calling a basketball game? You doing golf? What are you doing, Mike Tariko? How busy are you, man? But you can just feel, and everybody just, and Gruden, he's like a rooster. Like, he, you know, he's got that little reddish tint to his hair. And it's almost like he's a cock and doodle doo, man. And that's where I, I really found my Gruden impression was seeing him as a regular person or, you know, not on TV because the per TV persona is always amped up a little bit in a way because you need a little extra energy, but it's fun to see people just with their guard down, no camera on. And they, you know, they, you see the actual glimpse of them and it's a, it's a lot more fun for me to see. And that's, that actually helps me quite a bit. So where do you get this talent to impersonate people? And when did you realize you had it, Frank? Well, I think a lot of people have this ability. If you, the, the difference between somebody like me, and I put other people in this group as well, Will Sasso, who I was with at Mad TV. I think Jay Farrow does a pretty good job. I do a podcast with a guy named John Holmberg from Phoenix, and uh, he, he does it as well as is creating that take and that character. Uh, that, Dana Carvey was the best at it of all time. Of what's, the, what's the character behind the impression? So 
it gets a little bit away from actually being the impression and becomes the character. Um, but in terms of the mimicry, I see so many people who have this ability. If you, if you open up um, TikTok and you see there are people doing tons and tons and tons of dead on impressions, but all they do are the movie line or the TV show line, and they don't create anything really new with it. Um, that's, that's something that I think a lot of people have. So you, you, I, I bet there are impressions that you could do, and maybe you have done some. There are, vo- there are voices that are probably pretty close to this um, that you could do, uh, and some that are like completely the opposite sometimes that are easy to do. But there, everybody has a couple. They just don't know where to find them, I guess. And um, you just have to work at it. It's, it's muscle memory. It's, like I said earlier, it's just you just say things over and over and over and train it. You find the cadence, and then um, – and then you try and find, for me, you find the pitch of the voice. I mean, how many Christopher Walkins have you heard? You've heard the low one, high in the middle. Um, and sometimes it's, it's, not even, it's not even the voice, it's the sound. I could do Chris Berman. You know, there's plenty of people that have done it over the years at ESPN that nobody even knows about, really, because everybody does it behind the scenes. Rumbling, bumbling, nobody circles the wagons. But, you know, the... So th- there are people who do them and they don't know what to do with them. They don't know where they go. Or maybe because you're at ESPN and Berman's the king at the time, everybody's afraid to even really do it. So, <laughs> I, remember, I, remember, uh, I, I, I remember with Chris Berman, uh, when I first went over to ESPN, I was doing a lot of stuff at ESPN. And uh, Ber- Chris Berman came to me and he's like, hey, you know what? You're going to do, uh, do some John Group? You should do uh, you know, and he gave me some uh, ideas of what to do. And I was like, but Chris, <clears throat> are those things you'd like me to do about you? Because he was doing like physical traits and stuff like that. I was like, yeah, you know, I'll leave it to you. <laughs> and he had a half-eaten sandwich in in his office and the other yeah. half was somebody else was holding on to for him. None of it made co- sense. Coach everywhere, that- with coach everywhere, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was just so... But again, you see people behind the scenes and you find out a little bit more about them and it helps you uh, with those impressions. But to take it back to your original question, I think lots of people have that ability. Um, you see it more and more with social media. But I think the, the, the thing to do, and there's actually on social media, especially the younger kids and stuff, don't get that making a character is way more fun than doing it dead on. Because if you're doing the dead on impression, you get the recognition laughter, but after that, it's kind of just, eh, I'm just repeating stuff over and over and over. The hard thing is to create new stuff with it. Um, in my, but that's changing those because people get conditioned by what they see on social media. So they start to see, um, you know, they start to see these impressions of just lines from movies and they think that's comedy. They're like, well, no, that's, that's mimicry. That's not exactly comedy there but i'm kind of a comedy snob in those terms i guess who is the person that people ask you to imitate most oh i think that changes with time madden and gruden have been you know madden originally and then it switched to gruden um there are plenty of you know at times it was robin williams morgan freeman um you know after the lebron letter uh on mike and mike which was maybe the biggest thing where 
Jimmy Fallon brought that up to Morgan Freeman. He's like, hey, do you like it when people do impressions of you? And Morgan Freeman's like, ah, no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but that was a great Morgan Freeman too- impression. It was, it was an unbelievable impression. Yeah, I mean, it was... Uh, I, I, that was one, another one of those moments. I didn't, I didn't plan for that to take off at all. I had no idea. Uh, and I just, I didn't even, I didn't even read over the whole thing I was going to read. And I thought it was dying. I thought it was doing terribly because Mike uh, Golick and Greenberg were suppressing their laughter behind me. And that's what made part of the video so viral was that them holding their laughter back. It wasn't just the impression of me reading it. And so, that became one of those things where I did that. And then a year or so later in, the, in later in the year, remember Le- LeBron went on that, that hiatus, hiatus and um, he, he just, uh, he was down for a while and uh, just recouping, making sure his body was back. And this is before there was any kind of load management to talk for Kawhi and other people, but LeBron had some injuries, but just sat out for a little while. And they came back in Phoenix and the, the, the Cavs invited me to the game in Phoenix. And I'm sitting there with my friend, George Cantor, who opens up for me on the road. And one of uh, LeBron's main guys comes up to me. He's like, oh, so great to meet you and stuff. I'm like, did LeBron like it? He goes, oh, did he like it? He yells out to LeBron who's shooting free throws and warmups as people are filtering in, in the, you know, in the arena. He's like, hey, Bron, Bron. And LeBron's like, like, push, you know, he doesn't want him to even bother him right now. He's like, what are you doing? I'm trying to warm up for a game. He's like, Bron, Bron. And he points to me. LeBron finally looks over. He points to me. And the look on LeBron's face was like, oh, like, that was awesome. Like, oh, he did like it. He's like, you have no idea. So I was like, because I think that, that, you know, that was actually a moment that was uh, big. Not You know, that moment for, for LeBron was big. but he moved around and I believe in that stuff for these, you know, for the players and stuff like that and all the leagues and stuff. I think hey, we, a lot of times we don't understand, uh, you know, it's a business. We all look at this stuff as like a fantasy, but people don't understand how hard all this work is and all the stuff you put into it. Um, and to, 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 I'm coming home for that to be such a big deal for him. It, it even uh, made it, a, a, you know, one extra little step. I, I uh, you know, I don't want to, Say that I'm iconic because it really had a little bit to do with me. I was just a conduit for um, something bigger. But uh, yeah, that was that. You know, that's one of those ones where you do an impression that's not even you know of the actual person, but you do an impression, you do something, and it leads to so much more just because of social media. Um, that you know, and my tie-in with sports and great. You know, we spent time. We spent uh, uh, you know, we we went back to the locker room, hung out with the. Uh, the, with LeBron for maybe 20 minutes. Did. LeBron's in a, yeah. Oh yeah. LeBron's in a towel, uh, after icing up and just talking to my son, uh, for, you know, 15, 20 minutes. Wow. And then after everybody's dressed, like, yeah, my family comes in and, uh, it, it was, it was crazy. Yeah. It was, a, it was surreal. All that, spent all that time with LeBron James and, uh, you know, just to talk. And then I ended up entertaining everybody for, you know, I started doing impressions, uh, and my my wife is from Cleveland, oh, so oh my, my son, yeah, my wife is from Cleveland, and because it was the Suns, and you know how this stuff this stuff yeah. works, I, the Suns. I live in Phoenix. I I don't want to seem like a big Cavs guy going to the scene, so my son wears an Ohio State jersey, 
I'm like, because my wife wanted him to wear a, a Cavaliers jersey. I'm like, I can't have my family wearing a Phoenix Suns or a Cavaliers jersey to a Phoenix Suns game when we live in Phoenix. It, that's a, you know, it might seem like a little thing, but it's, it, it's a, you know, when the Suns do stuff for me and have me come in and, and give me tickets and stuff like that, I can't, I can't do that. So he wore the Ohio State jersey. And that opened up, you know, a whole bunch of conversation with LeBron that was really cool, too, that was other than just, hey, I'm wearing your jersey kind of a thing. You got an Ohio State jersey on. And just, you can never have, that became our Christmas card, us with LeBron James. <laughs> I, I didn't get one. Uh, yeah, well, I don't. I got. I got your number. I haven't asked for the address yet. <laughs> I didn't get one, Frank. You got a similar. So was LeBron asking you to do impressions of people? Did he say, "Hey, could you I do"? Don't if, I don't know if they, he asked me to do a bunch, but he, he, it was more of just talking about stuff because I worked them in the conversation. So I'd be talking to him. And I'd start doing Stephen A. Smith. I'm uh, the, the veracity of what's going on right here, LeBron. I have to say. You know, I'm just doing that, uh, you know, maybe a little Bill Walton. How great is this? Understanding the realities, the difference. Barkley, come on, bro. You got to start playing some defense. That's not what you do. So, come on. Yeah, so, and all the, you know, uh, everybody's just sitting behind. It was odd, too, because uh, J.R. Smith and a few other guys are sitting right back uh, behind us over on one side. And then Kyrie was off on the side. Kyrie Irving was kind of all by himself. It was a, which is like a microcosm for Kyrie, I think sometimes. But um, it was it was just amazing. I was like thrilled, and that my son could be a part of that, and later my my wife and daughter to come in there and and be a part of it. So yeah, I, well, I just I just started turning it on because I, I I wanted these guys to like me, you know. So it's like, hey, I'm gonna do the a little mini show, and that's impressions are like magic tricks, Adam. It's you they you are. start. You, you, oh, totally. And you just start doing them. It's like somebody who can play the piano. They sit down at the piano and every, all of a sudden everybody's all around you. That, that happened to me too. I, I was doing a, a bunch of impressions for uh, at a Comic-Con, believe it or not. And there were these boxers that are friends with Chris Hemsworth who plays Thor. And I was doing a bunch of impressions with them. All of a sudden, Chris Hemsworth comes over and I'm end up doing a bunch of impressions with Chris Hemsworth right there. And then, uh, you know, it's just crazy. It's surreal. Give me the one moment like that that is most surreal to you, performing for LeBron, Chris Hensel. I'm sure you've had to be called into certain situations that you could not imagine yourself in before. Is there other, are there others mm-hmm. that stand out? I will give you the number one time because it's a family. It's a moment with my daughter. So this is another Comic-Con thing because she's a huge Marvel Cinematic Universe fan. She's a, she, she, she has most of the movies memorized. Um, and uh, I'm sure this this happens for you, too, because I've seen your daughter and some stuff you've done with your daughter. I'm amazed at the recall and the knowledge these kids have at 12 and 13 years old. It's unbelievable because of YouTube and their access to media. Uh, my daughter blows me away, and she's, she's very funny um, uh, and entertaining uh, in a different way. But I've seen your daughter is amazing as well, where... You just, she lights up the screen, right? You see her on, you're like, God, I wish I had that kind of, uh, you know, bright shining power to me. So we're at a Comic Con. It was, um, uh, in, uh, it was last June. It was actually June 29th, yeah. uh, my daughter's birthday. We were in Seattle, um, and, and it was the Ace Comic Con there. I had found out years ago that Josh Brolin, used me as inspiration 
for his George W. Bush uh, character in the movie W. And I have an, even have a video wow. of Josh Brolin talking about Frank Caliento. He calls me Frank Caliento with a T, which I'm fine <laughs> with. Because like it's Caliente, he, like Caliente. Yeah, yeah which, is, which, is, which is Spanish and Italian Caliendo, right? Yeah. So um, she, uh, so he, um, he had talked about this, and I was even thinking about changing my name to Frank Caliento because of this. But uh, he had talked about it, and we go, and we're going to go meet him. And we went through a line, uh, not even a line, we, we kind of skipped, and we took a picture with him, and he gives me this weird look, Josh Brolin does, this incredibly weird look of, why do I know this guy? And I even have a picture with him, and you can see in his eyes, and he thinks he knows me, but nothing. But it, so we go through the line and nothing. I'm like, ah, I guess he, he didn't remember me or something like that. Well, I have the same agents as a few of these, these uh, guys, people who were there. Uh, there were a couple other Avengers there. Uh, Zoe Saldana was there. Uh, Don Cheadle. Uh, um, Chris Evans, Captain America was there too. So uh, I work it out with an agent to go meet uh, Josh Brolin for a second. And we, we get in there, he's with Chris Hemsworth, and he goes, I go to say hello, and he goes, I knew it was you. I just didn't understand why you were here. I was like, I hadn't even said anything yet. I was like, oh, my gosh, really? And then I, I'm talking to him for a little bit, and he looks over to Chris Evans, and he goes, hey, this guy is responsible <clears throat> for one of my roles. And, you know, me creating, uh, you know, this role in a movie. And Chris Evans is like, what, what role is that? And I was like, Thanos. And, and they all, they crack up. And it, Evans, Chris Evans then goes, wait a second. Who are you? And I was like, Frank Caliendo. And he goes, oh my God. And he starts quoting. He goes, the Madden, do some Madden for me. Chris Evans is then has me, uh, you know, doing uh, everything for him. He's like, do some Gruden, do some Gruden, do, uh, do Belichick. He can do a little Belichick. And it's like, I was like, uh, I'm just going through all of them. And my daughter's like, this is the greatest day of my life. Captain America knows my dad. And then I said, I actually do some Robert Downey Jr. He's like, do it. Do some, do some Downey. He's like, okay, do me a favor. He goes, that doesn't sound like I'm like, you're just like Adam Schefter. You're killing me. <laughs> so then it, the, the way it ended up, we leave because the Evans just wants to talk. My daughter had broken her elbow the year before, and she had this big thing that looked like the Winter Soldier on her arm. <laughs> but she'd broken her elbow, had a surgery, and a second – this was her first surgery. And there, she's hanging out with Josh Brolin, just talking about this for 10 minutes while Evans has me doing a bunch of impressions. Um, and then uh, we, we get moved out because the, the, the photographers have to stay in time and do everything that they need to get done. So, uh, because there's just lines of people that have paid a ton of money and have to get this. I, I, I'm like, I totally understand. We go outside, they, they pipe and drape stuff, uh, which is, you know, the cubicle that they're, they're in. And then um, Chris Evans is texting somebody. He sees me and comes over to talk to me. He's like, oh, God, that was, you, don't, you made this great. All this kind of stuff, saying all these nice things. So we talked to him a little bit more. And my daughter says to me, that was even better. I'm like, why is that? She goes, he didn't have to talk to you there. He wanted to talk to you more. Yeah. And I was like, that's a pretty great observation. I go, this is your 13th birthday, and you are never going to have a birthday better than this. Everything <laughs> is downhill from here. You have peaked at 13, and so have I as a dad. How about that? that that's, that's a pretty cool story. That's quite an existence you have going there, Frank. I got to tell you, all these guys, everyone yeah, wants you. 
Ever wants to hear from you? It, 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 yeah, it's a, 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 there's luck involved. I always believe that there's some luck involved. Um, yeah, but there's some skill too. But there's some luck. There's a lot of luck and sports. I mean, nobody was uh, nobody was doing a lot of sports stuff uh, uh, nationally. All locally, people were doing stuff. I started doing these impressions in sports at the NFL and Fox, and and it just started taking off. And I, I, that's only, that's only a little part of what I do, but. I just kind of had that niche and, and people ran with it. It's a pigeonhole, you know, I'm kind of pigeonholing in a way, but at the same time, Hey, if I can have my kid, you know, my daughter and, you know, it's helped me with my son with, you know, we spent time with Kyler Murray last year. We hmm. spent time with, you know, JJ Watt. I've gotten a, you know, it's funny every time I drive, cause I'm from Wisconsin, every time I drive through Wisconsin and I go through the Wisconsin Dells, I text JJ Watt going through the Dells. He's like, how's oh, Tommy Bartlett's world? You know, all these little things. It's just, you meet all these great people and, uh, you know, you can't beat being around Hall of Fame NFL players, like, you know, Howie Long, Terry Bradshaw. All that stuff's amazing. You just made me realize that when I need to get a hold of somebody, I probably should be going through you to confirm <laughs> when there's news with JJ Watt or whoever it may be. Uh, you may be my hidden. Weapon, my secret source that nobody realizes. Yeah, the secret, future, Frank. Yeah, I got a couple GMs too. I could go. Uh, <laughs> I I've done that before. You know, people made this big deal about me texting. Uh, you know, sending uh, Gruden. You remember this last year? They said I almost altered the draft. Not this. Not this past year. The year before, when I called. Um, I called Steve Kime, whose son played for me, played flag football for me. And I've been friends with Kime for quite a while. And as Gruden, I'm like, I'll tell you what, I'll make a trade for you. How about I trade? I, I draft Kyler Murray at, uh, or you draft, uh, you know, somebody at number three. I draft Kyler Murray at number three or seven or whatever it is. We trade. And it was, he knew it was me because it was coming from my phone number. Well, it gets out there in certain news, but I've almost changed the draft. That was never that. He knew it was me from the beginning. But that's how these, you know, it's the telephone game where yeah, I say this to this person, then I this person, and then uh, the story gets changed as it goes on. So. Yeah, and I've gotten voicemails and messages with you, with GM. Oh, yeah, you. I, I forgot. The, uh, you know what? The, I never, I don't think I'd met you, and I called you as a different NFL insider that yeah, you, made no you, sense. You, you could say, you, know, you, you could tell people it was, it was, it was very yeah, good. I, you, I called you as Jay Glazer. And I was like, oh, you're not going to believe this. Jason Witten. I, I, I was with, uh, yeah, I was with, I, I just gone, I just gone through, I was up at ESPN and I was, uh, I was just with the tuna weasel. Um, and, uh, our boss, yeah. 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 And I actually couldn't think of his name there. I had to go to his, uh, his, his Twitter tag. Um, so I, he, he and he was, he, you know, we've just gone to talk to a, a few different people and, um, He's like, let's call Schefter. And he, I was like, okay, let's do that. And I, I, I'm like, I'll call him as Jay Glazer. And I, Glazer, I was like, you're not going to believe this. I, I just talked to Jason Witten. Uh, he's he's, he's going to retire. This is the most amazing information I've ever heard. I don't know if you've heard about this yet. Just give me a call. And I, and it was the stupidest premise in the world, right? Because And you picked up on this immediately. The impression's pretty good. And on the phone, it can make it even better at times. But you picked up on this immediately. Why would Jay call me with a scoop? And that's when you called back. You're like, why would Jay Glazer call me with a scoop before it's even out? It doesn't make sense. And I got to believe there's some type of tomfoolery going on there in Bristol. I'm trying to go to my doctor's office and read my highlights magazine. <laughs> and, and I have 
it figured out. I cracked the case right away, but it was an excellent Jay Glazer impersonation. Excellent all around. Did make me laugh. And, and <laughs> can you do these things on the spot? Like, before we go, Frank, like, if I just give you, like, names like Rat-a-tat-tat, like Machine Gun Fire, can you spit out a quick impersonation of each guy? Sure, I think I, I think I can. This is unrehearsed, unplanned, completely spontaneous. Let's let's give it a shot, okay? You got Stephen it. A. Smith. I have to say, I understand where you're coming from and the veracity, the contemplation that is going henceforth. I know exactly where you're coming from, Adam Schefter. John Madden. I mean, you think of all the things you could do and all the things that you would do, and between those two sets of things, I mean, I mean, I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. boom, there you go. <laughs> Morgan Freeman. That's when they realized that Frank Caliendo was really just a jukebox for Adam Schefter. <laughs> John Gruden. I tell you what, man, that's a tremendous ability right there. Do me a favor. Knock down wood if you're with me, man. Mel Kuyper. Talk about tremendous situation. Oh, it went right into you for some reason. Talk about tremendous situation. Trying to figure out what are you going to do. High risk, low reward situation. Going back to the Adam Schefter, back to the John Bird. I tell you what, I don't even understand where he's coming with from of this stuff. <laughs> I mean, you did it. You go from voice to voice and then boom. I mean, you went backwards. The couple you already talked about. I tell you what, man, that was tremendous. Talk about an incredible situation. Resources. At this particular time, Adam hasn't even gotten through it. it, it. <laughs> hey, what you will. But, uh, nobody circles the wagons. It, it, like Dr. Anthony Fauci. <laughs> and that Berman always goes into jazz scat. That's what I'm talking about. That just go from voice to voice. Then I always have to make sense. Just make it happen. That's why I truly believe I haven't done a jazz impression in over five years. And that went right into Bill Walton. I wasn't even trying to do it. It just started to happen. Where did it come from? Where did it go? The reality is we may never know. And that's Frank Caliendo gone wild doing every single impersonation <laughs> before I let him go. Frank, I want to thank you very much for the time. You were very generous. You keep That Adam Schefter impression has gotten better. You can tell people I now approve of it. I like it. I always liked okay. it. I just thought it wasn't yeah, quite no, no, as good no, as the other you're good now. That, that was one thing I always told people. I goes, he he, he doesn't have a problem. Adam doesn't have a problem. He no. doesn't dislike it. He doesn't get mad. He just doesn't no. think it's good on. And I go, I, I, you know what? Honestly, I have to agree with him. But and it as it it gets better. But sometimes you gotta throw them out there before they're 100 percent ready, and uh, that's just the way it works. Well, it's marinated and incubated, and it is now ready to go. <laughs> and I, you have my seal of approval to present at all those nightclubs where you get people like my parents, who you're kind enough to buy free drinks. Oh, what a great, they're the nicest people in the world. Yeah, I see where you came from. That was the sweetest, the sweetest. They were so nice and just to take a picture with them. And then, oh, very nice. Awesome. Those are those great moments. Frank, you're the man. I appreciate you. Be well, stay safe. And I'm sure I'll be talking to you with Steve Kime or a GM near you very soon. I'll, I'll get it. I'll get, I'm, I'm going to, I'm working on infiltrating every NFL team for you. Thank you for being my secret source, my friend. <laughs> There's a secret sauce, and it is like not unlike a hamburger that you would get at a, a local dry, drive-in diner. Dive. This is Frank Caliendo, my secret source. How great and entertaining and talented is Frank Caliendo, and that is Frank Caliendo gone wild right there. You can catch more of Frank on his podcast, Caliendo Cast, and now for the Giants' starting weak side linebacker. Lorenzo Carter. Hello there, Lorenzo. 
Thank you for taking the time today. No problem. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm doing good. Just got home from full workout, so about to start my Friday. What is it like to have to work out and go through an off-season at the same time of a pandemic for you? Yeah, it's, it's been it's been different. I haven't done anything like this. I don't think anybody has. So it's, we're all on equal playing fields, but it's just, um, as a professional athlete, my job to stay in shape and be ready to go. So every day call, I have to be ready. That's just my mindset. You know, I heard a lot of teams, a lot of coaches bringing in a lot of different motivational talkers. For instance, the Rams and the Colts and the Bears brought in Doc Rivers, who was a previous guest in this podcast, and he was great. The Saints brought in Shaquille O'Neal, Spike Lee, amongst others. Did you have any speakers on the Giants' virtual calls this offseason that got your attention? Yeah, we didn't have any Shaquille O'Neal's or Spike Lee's, but uh, we just it was really just getting to know each other. Um, our Zoom calls, we were trying to get to know each other as a team, as people, because we got a lot of new faces in the building. And when we get get up there, July 28th, don't want everybody to be meeting strangers and meeting people for the first time. So for us, it was really just trying to get to know the guys, get to know the coaches, just get a feel for each other. Now, one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on was to talk about educational equality, which I know is something that's very important to you. Tell me a little bit about why that matters and what you're doing to bring about educational equality, Lorenzo. Yeah, that's, that's just one of the big things for me. Growing up, I went to school. I grew up in all around the city of Atlanta. So I went to school in the inner city. I went to Atlanta public schools. And then I went to schools out in the suburbs. And just seeing the difference in the curriculum was just eye-opening for me. And just thinking about it now, I feel like education, just equal in the playing field, is going to be one of the biggest parts of trying to trying to get this country going back in the right direction and the way we should be going. And is just trying to go into these communities from lower economic status. Just let them know that just because you don't have the same money or just because you don't have a lot of money doesn't mean that you can't be successful in life. As athletic, being a football player and being a rapper isn't the only way to make it out of the hood. So how has that gotten your time during the pandemic? Were you doing virtual calls with these schools? Were you behind the scenes raising funds? What were you doing? Yeah, I, did, I actually got on a call with uh, schools up in New York. Just talked to the kids. I did that a few times. But right now, it's really, I've been putting in um, a lot of time just working with United Way and just trying to get that set up. So when we get back to New York, it's going to be all fit on the ground, all, all go, ready to go. You also put a lot of time into the cello. Do you still play the cello like you did in high school band? Yeah, man. I played the cello from fifth grade. All the way up to 11th grade, and then I got in college, focused on football, busy with that. That's a full-time job in college. Uh, once I got to the NFL, I actually bought a cello. Ended up leaving it in short, so I can't practice right now. But, yeah, that's my that's my jam, man. I love the cello, love classical music. Well, Legend, how many guys in the team know that you play the cello? Uh, <laughs> it's a few. The ones that have been in my house usually ask me what that thing is in the corner. <laughs> Take the cello and show up at the Giants training facility in the locker room and just start playing in the locker room. 
true. That we, it seems like we have a lot of time in the in the facility training camp, so I'll probably bring it with me. Now you also have three dogs, so we have that in common, Lorenzo. Right? You've got Lucky, your lab pit mix, and you've got Luca and Lucy, who are mini golden doodles. Is that correct? That is right. I got my three dogs actually out here right now, running around. How hard is that? As a single guy to take care of three dogs on your own when you're at the training facility. How do you do that? <laughs> well, they're actually not all three mine. They're my family's dogs. I only have one. My ah. Yeah, the other two, Lucky, she lives with my sister out in Portland. And my sister's home. She works with the Trailblazers, so they're, they're having a little hiatus right now. So she came home, brought her dog. And then my parents have the other Golden Doodle. Your sister works for the Portland Trailblazers. What does she do? Yeah, she works in the front office. So she's up there just right now. She's up there on Zoom calls trying to help figure out what's going to happen with them. But, um, yeah, it's pretty interesting having the house with her, seeing how the dynamic is with the NBA. And me and her, we bound to talk about it sometimes. It's pretty cool. So do you have any interaction with Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum and Hassan Whiteside and all those guys out there? No, I haven't actually, but. But when I get a chance, I was supposed to get a chance to go out there this offseason, spend some time out there with her. She got hired last year, so it's her going on second year out there. Now, so far through two seasons, you've got eight and a half sacks. We're not going to make a prediction on sacks, but you yourself admit that God has blessed you with a lot of ability. You were a USA Today High School All-American in 2013. You're going to become a third-round draft pick after a rather prolific career at the University of Georgia. How many sacks are you capable of getting? I'm not telling you that you're going to get this. We're not predicting it. How many are you capable of getting, Lorenzo? Yeah, I feel like I'm I'm definitely capable of being a double-digit sack guy for sure. Yeah. Um, that's just that's just what I've seen across the league. I've I've been watching the guys uh, getting the sacks, and it's just it's just the little things that are that's going to I have to perfect and I have to get better at, and then I'm. Jumping off the edge, like I told my sister, I, I got a little start, but now it's feet on the ground, I'll go. Well, if you get those double-digit sacks this year, and you can do that for a couple of years in a row, you can make so much money that your sister could only dream of what of making what you one day make, and then you would have the lead on your sister. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's always that's always uh, at the back of my mind. That's a goal for sure. The next contract, but I'm just trying to take it slow and enjoy my time because. As you know, time flies by and don't take advantage and just sit there and appreciate the moments that you're in and don't miss it. And by the time you look up, it's gone. Well, Lorenzo, I really appreciate taking some time today. Keep up the great work with the educational equality, the United Way, and keep being kind to those dogs, those students, your sister, and good luck this season. Uh, thank you. And so there's the Giants linebacker, Lorenzo Carter, who seems poised to have a very strong season this upcoming season. And that is the question, of course. Are we going to have a season? And I mentioned on this podcast last week and speaking to various people in and around the NFL, connected strongly to the NFL, and one assured me that there will be football this upcoming season. And so I went back to that particular person in light of everything that's going on with the COVID outbreaks in certain hotspots in the country. And I texted that same person who's very much in the know last week, are we still confident that games will be played? And I'm going to read the text exchange with him. Yes, absolutely. Very, very confident. 
Not as confident about fans in the stands, but very confident about games being played. Fauci was way off. His knowledge of what the league and the Players Association are doing is woefully weak to speculate the way he did last week. The league expects saliva tests to be ready in August, so there'll be daily testing and PCR every three days. The key is having enough tests that they aren't hurting a general community by taking so many for the league. But the expectations are that won't be a problem. Their protocols are extreme. The NFL may be the safest employer. Oh, and one more little tidbit, unlimited budget. It's like the Super Bowl, unlimited budget. There's a lot of that that can be done with an unlimited. There's a lot that can be done with an unlimited budget and the sex appeal that comes with the NFL. These are the things Roger Goodell excels in. Have confidence. Unless some massive new thing happens, I'm waiting for the next effort to derail the election, terrorism, alien invasion. We'll be playing games this fall. Can't say about fans in the stands. D and the PA deserve a lot of credit. Everything has been total coordination between the league and the union. And so the viewpoint hasn't changed. That's the text from the same individual who assured me last week that there would be football. He still remains confident that there will be football. And I think from my perspective, I believe the NFL is fully determined to get to training camp, to play 16 games, to have the season. My only question would be, and again, we see this over time, can they pull off 16 games? Can they get through a full season? Or are there going to be more outbreaks of this virus that derail the NFL's hopes and plans and what this particular individual is texting me, assuring me that we're going to have football this season? But those will be questions that we begin and try to answer when we return from a little podcast hiatus. We'll be back in mid-July. And until then, I want to thank Frank Caliendo, the host of the Caliendo cast. I want to thank the Giants linebacker, Lorenzo Carter. I want to thank my great producer, Christina Buswell. And I want to thank you, the listener, for tuning in to another Adam Schefter podcast. Like I said, we'll be back in mid-July with another version. And until then, have a great fourth. Be well and stay safe. Did you know Geico's now offering an extra 15% credit on car and motorcycle policies? That's 15% on top of what Geico could already save you. So what are you waiting for? Your teenager to help around the house? Okay, Mom, I emptied the dishwasher, vacuumed the basement, and folded the sheets out of the dryer. Wait, what? Oh, and next, I'm going to clean Mitten's litter box. Are we in some kind of prank show or something? That's a camera, isn't it? There's never been a better time to switch to GEICO. Save an extra 15% when you switch by October 7th. Limitations apply. Visit GEICO.com for details.